Good morning. Here your Bibles. Turn with me to John chapter 14 and find verse 12. And also, I hope you're going to find your listening guide inside your bulletin. Let me remind you when you're doing that, that if you get on Facebook throughout the week, you might want to catch Moments with Mike. That's my really ingenious title. I just really thought of that myself. Didn't, didn't ask anybody else to help me with that one, but I uh, seek to encourage you each day from God's Word. It's a way we can stay connected. It's really what the purpose of it is. And so I hope that uh, you'll follow along there. And if you find something you like, you can share it or you can just like it or whatever. Just let us know you're there. Um, anyway, it's just encouraging other folks that are there that are paying attention. So just want to share that with you. Well, we got hurricanes, we've got forest fires, we've got pandemics, we've got unrest, divide in our nation, and we can go on and on down the line of all the things that are going on. And so, what's your philosophy about this? Are you one of those individuals that say, why pray when you can worry? No, I didn't say it wrong. That's the way some of us are. It's just something to worry about. And this, if, if any year has given us any reason to have something to worry about, something to really trouble our hearts, 2020 has definitely been it. There's some, so much so that so many people are saying we're ready to just go ahead and get it over with and move on to 2021, and hopefully it's going to be better. It doesn't seem like it can be any worse. We've got to be careful what we ask for sometimes, though, don't we? But in contrast to all that, Jesus has a different philosophy. And his philosophy is, why worry when you can pray? Why worry? Why let your heart be troubled? Why give in to a troubled heart when through faith in me you can find comfort and peace? That's what Jesus says. We've been looking at it this week, uh, the, the last several weeks. We've been talking about the fact that faith in Jesus provides relief for the troubled soul. It was Jesus that said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. But the question that we've been wanting to ask is the question of how can believing in Jesus and in his words bring relief to troubled souls? In chapter 14, beginning with verse 1 all the way to verse 27, Jesus gives us several reasons how or reasons why by believing in him we can find relief. This morning, I want us to see that the answer is that Jesus guarantees answered prayer. That's the reason why. Because he guarantees that we have an in with the Heavenly Father. That we have the Father's ear because of who he is. We've already seen that he promises, prepares, and provides a place for us in the Father's heart. I mean, the Father's house. That's one of the reasons we can uh, overcome a troubled heart. We also saw that Jesus has made God known and available. That's another reason. But please understand, he also assures you that your prayers can be answered. And that's what Jesus talks about in verses 12 through 15. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Father, we pray now that you would bless not only the reading of your word, 
but Lord, also the preaching of your word. Father, you would speak into our hearts, Lord, in a time in which it's so easy to find things to worry about, but teach us instead to trust you, to take you at your word and rest and find peace. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the best remedies for a troubled heart is prayer. We sang about it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The Apostle Paul wrote about it when he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The psalmist also had discovered that there was peace that comes when you trust God and you call upon His name. In Psalm 116, the psalmist says, I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplication, because He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon Him as long as I live. I love the picture that's drawn there. The child of God calls out to God, and God the Father goes, He inclines His ear, even cups it over. He wants to be sure He hears every word, doesn't miss anything His child is saying, because He loves and He cares for His children. And what did the psalmist say? Because He has inclined His ear to me, I'll pray for the rest of my life. He just simply gives credence to the, to the philosophy that says that the greatest incentive to prayer is answered prayer. Because God hears me. I, therefore, I'll, I'll pray. Because I know I have an ear with the creator God of this universe, with the sovereign God, the ruler of this universe, because I have his ear. I'll keep on praying. And he will comfort me and he will soothe me and he'll replace my anxiety with his peace. Do you believe that? Jesus has guaranteed answers to our prayers. But there are some conditions. And one of the first ones is that you've got to believe it. See, Jesus guarantees to answer my prayer when I pray believing. Look at verse 12. Most assuredly, this is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. I want you to notice that the promise of answered prayer is to the one who believes. There's power in believing. There's power in faith. There's power in trusting God and taking him at his word. John helps us understand this in 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. John wrote, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Faith in Jesus brings relief to our troubled hearts because faith is the victory. That's what he says. It's the victory over the world. Not just any world, but the very world that may be troubling your heart this morning. There's a way to have victory over that world, over all that's going on in this world, 
and it comes through faith in believing. That's what Jesus tells us. He assured his disciples of the power of faith when it comes to believing. When he said to them in Matthew 21, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also you will say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. There's power in just simply believing and faith. Faith gives us that victory. And so that the promise of answered prayer has the potential, therefore, to impact this world that's troubling your heart. Jesus said, the works that I do, the one who believes also will do. And he even went on to say, and even greater works than these he will do. I got a question for you. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that through faith you can do greater works than Jesus? Now, let's qualify. We're not talking about the quality. The, the disciple is never greater than the master. I, I am not going to save anybody. Only Jesus can save a, a soul. But, God, but he can use me in that process. But salvation's his work. But it is greater in scope and in quantity. Stop and think about it. When Jesus walked on this earth in the human flesh, he was limited by time and space. Reading the scriptures, his ministry, we're estimating, was about three years long. That's it, three years. That's not a lot of time. Boy, he used his time wisely, didn't he? And he says, listen, you're going to have a greater ministry and scope than mine, even in that three years' time. And nothing else happened to us, Jesus. When he was on this earth, he was in a physical body, which meant he was limited in terms of where he could be. He could only be one place at a time. He said, I'm going to go on to my Father, and, and now I'm going to be present in your life, and in your life, and in your life. And together, you're going to be able to do far, far more than I got accomplished. I wonder if we really believe that. We really believe that when Jesus says that we're to go and to make disciples of all the nations, do we really believe that we have the power to do that? I mean, all the nations, that we could reach all the world? Well, not the way that we're doing it right now. You know, the way we're doing it right now is we'll hire someone to do ministry for us. That's the pastor's job. That's the church staff's job. I'm a church member. My job is to pay my dues and sit in the pew and listen to him preach and cheer him on. Wrong. He wants to work in your life and enable you so that you would go to the people you know that need Jesus, reach them for Jesus, disciple them for Jesus, and set them free that they can go reach the people they know and reach them for Jesus and disciple them for Jesus that they can go out and reach and when that begins to happen, and everybody's doing that, instead of additional growth, which is going to take a long, long, long time, and many people would die in the process and never hear the gospel message, if we took it seriously, and we each one did what Jesus told us to do, believing that he can work in my heart to do that, we could reach this world in less than a lifetime. All the world with a gospel message. A lot of things going on in our world that we've already talked about that just trouble our souls today, you know, the, especially the, the, the divisions within our society. 
Does that bother you? Does it, are you troubled by that? The racial divide, the social divide, the political divide, those things bother you? Isn't it a shame we just can't get over that? What do you mean you can't get over that? Do you not believe that the power of the gospel has the power to break down all the walls that separate us? Isn't it what Paul was writing to us in Ephesians chapter 2 when he talked about Jesus who's broken down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile to make them one, make us one, and Jesus now becomes our peace? Do we just not believe that? Are you praying for an end of the divisiveness in this nation? But even more importantly, are you praying that God would use you as an instrument of his peace? to bring an end to the divisiveness in this nation. Because that's the kind of things that Jesus was talking about, that we could have that kind of impact in this world today if we believe. But we've allowed the world to intimidate us. And we've allowed the world to convince us that it's just no use. Because the world's just not going to believe. As if to say, the world is greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, again, God's word would argue, 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The issue is, do we believe it? Do we believe what God's word says? Because we have the power in prayer through believing because Jesus has gone to the Father. Won't you stop and think about that? When Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins, and when he was buried and then rose again, he ascended to his Father. And there before the Father, he presented his sacrifice. He entered with his own precious blood that was poured out, his own body that had been broken. And he offered that up to God as a sacrifice for your sakes and for mine. And now he goes up there not only as our sacrifice, but also as our high priest. And the writer of Hebrews says he ever lives to intercede for us. He said, I'm going to the Father. That's what Jesus said here in these verses. And I'm going to intercede for you. So when you and I pray, Jesus takes our prayers before the Heavenly Father. And he presents those there before the Heavenly Father. And Jesus prays for us as well. Interceding on our behalf. Interceding right now. For you and me. As he promises to answer prayers for the one who believes. The question is, do you believe that? Jesus guarantees to answer my prayer when I pray believing. He also guarantees to to answer my prayer when I pray in Jesus' name. Look in verse 13, that first part. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. It wasn't enough that he said it once. Jesus said it twice. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So let's just pray in Jesus' name. And whatever we want, just whatever your little heart desires, just go... Just just tag on the end of your prayer, in Jesus' name I pray. It's a blank check. I get what I prayed for, right? Well, there's a lot of folks that want to say that. A lot of bad theology out there. Some of it gets preached on the TV set on a regular basis. That you could be healthy, wealthy, and everything going happy and 
hunky-dory in your life. You don't have to have any problems because you just prayed in Jesus' name. That's going to take care of everything. It's, it's a magical formula. You, you just pray in Jesus' name. And Jesus will take care of it. So just because I invoke His name, that's all i got to do. I knew a lady that was concerned about her children because when they prayed, they, they did not end their prayers saying, in Jesus' name I pray. What was she concerned about? Did God ignore their prayers because of the omission? Is in Jesus' name a secret code that God's not paying attention until you say, in Jesus' name I pray? Is that, the, is that what it is? You know what I'm convinced? Praying in Jesus' name is more for our benefit than it is for God's. Because when I pray in Jesus' name, I am reminded of why I can pray and why I can have confidence that God's going to hear me and why I have God's ear. It's because I come before God on the basis not of who I am or what I've done, but on the basis of who Jesus is and what He's done. And I come before Him and I and reminded that I have this great privilege because of what Jesus has done. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 said, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with water. It's because of what Jesus has done, we can have confidence, boldness to come before the throne. Every confidence that God's going to hear us, we have His ear because of what Jesus has done for us. So when I say in Jesus' name, I'm reminded of the benefit that I have because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done, I have the privilege of, of using His very authority and praying. I, I enter to God's presence, not on the authority of who I am, but on the authority of who Jesus is. And I have that privilege to come, but I also have a, a responsibility as I'm praying. When Jesus invited us to pray, He was inviting us to, uh, in His name, He was inviting us to pray according to the will of God and according to His own nature and His own character. So that when I pray in Jesus' name, Jesus' name qualifies everything and controls everything that I pray for. So that when I'm praying in His name, I'm praying according to His nature. In Scripture, to know someone's name was powerful. When you knew someone's name, you knew something of their character, their nature, and even their heart's desires. And so when you and I come to pray and we pray in Jesus' name, that's what it means. It means my prayer is to be in the character, in the nature of Jesus, and even the desires of Jesus, reflecting what Jesus would pray for. It's going to be consistent with who Jesus is, with His purpose. You remember several years ago we prayed, I mean, we had the little phrase, what would Jesus do, WWJD? And that was all the thing. Before you do anything, ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? What if... We just changed that a little bit, and before we prayed, we asked ourselves the question, what would Jesus pray for? WWPJF. Or if you're an English teacher, 
for what would Jesus pray? F-W-W-J-T. But what would you pray for if you prayed for what Jesus prayed for? That'll change the whole way you pray, won't it? Because when you pray in His name, that was it. So that praying in Jesus' name, as I said already, is a, is a privilege. I have His authority. I have His authority when I pray. That's a privilege that He gives me that authority. But also I have responsibility. Because I have to be sure that I pray in such a way that brings Him glory. To ask in Jesus' name is to ask within His will and His purpose, by His authority, on the basis of His work as Redeemer, and for the glory of both the Father and the Son. So I'm guaranteed answered to prayer when I pray believing and when I pray in Jesus' name. But I also have the, a guarantee of answer to my prayer when I pray for the sake of God's glory. Everything Jesus did in the flesh was for the glory of the Father. Every act for the glory of the Father. And it culminated, and it highlighted, and it climaxed in the greatest act of glorifying the Father when He died upon the cross for your sins and mine. Everything for the glory of God. And now He says, when you pray, believing in My name, I will do it. And then He adds, in verse 13, that the Father may be glorified. In other words, when you and I pray, we're just continuing what Jesus had already begun. Jesus lived for the glory of God, and now we pray for the glory of God. So let me ask you, when you're praying, do your prayers bring glory to God? Well, why should they? Well, I just want to remind you, we, we did a little study on prayer not too long ago. Remember the, the disciples' prayer, the model prayer? the Lord's Prayer, whatever you want to call it, Jesus taught the very first petition was what? Hallowed be thy name. Honored be your name. That's the very first thing that we're, we're praying, that God's name would be honored. It's an important purpose of prayer, that we would honor God. So why should God, why should God answer your prayer if it does not bring Him glory. So when you're praying, you need to ask yourself the question. When you pray, is your prayer aimed at glorifying the Father, or is it aimed at glorifying yourself? How is God glorified because you live in a bigger house than anybody else, or drive a nicer car than anybody else, or wear finer clothes than anybody else? How does that glorify God? Or does that really just glorify you? Are you praying to glorify yourself or glorify the Father? Are, are you praying to advance the kingdom of God or your own kingdom? Those are questions you need to ask. Are you praying in order to advance God's agenda or your own personal agenda? Because prayer is to be aimed at glorifying God. So if your prayer does not glorify God, it's not aimed at glorifying God. It is not a prayer being prayed in Jesus' name. You can put that tag on it if you want to, but in reality, it is not being prayed in Jesus' name. It's being prayed in your own name. Let's just be honest. Just claim it for what it is. 
Father, I come before you in my own name that you would do for me everything that I want you to do because, God, after all, you exist for my glory. Oh, I'd never say that. Would you say that? And yet sometimes, the way we pray and the way people teach about prayer, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? When we pray for God's glory, it's all about Him. And God promises that He would answer in order to glorify His name. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, John wrote, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that is in Christ, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we ask of Him. Because we ask in His name and for His glory. Therefore, that's how we ought to pray. So, Jesus guarantees answers to my prayer when I pray believing. Jesus answers, guarantees answers to my prayer when I pray in His name. And Jesus guarantees answers to prayer when I pray, uh, pray for God's glory. And finally, Jesus guarantees to answer my prayer when I pray in loving obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. To pray truly in Jesus' name. You pray in his name. No, this is truly praying in his name. Then, then you're going to be obedient to the Father and to his will and to his word. You know, Jesus lived his life in perfect obedience to the Father in all things. That was his nature. That was his character. That was his, even his heart's desire. So therefore, to pray in Jesus' name means that I'm going to live my life as best I can, according to the nature, the character, the desire of Jesus. And I'm going to live obediently. Because if I'm not obedient, I can't pray in Jesus' name. Just not possible. Now, the kind of obedience we're talking about is not that kind of obedience that comes because I'm just going to simply just mm, desire to do God's will. But rather, it's, it comes out of a heart of love. I obey Him because I love Him. Stop and think about it. If you love somebody, you'd never do anything to bring any dishonor on that person's name, would you? If you love somebody, you would never want to use their name in any demeaning manner whatsoever, would you? If you truly love somebody, and yet every time we sin, every time we disobey, we are acting rebelliously against our Heavenly Father. And we're dishonoring His name. And that's why disobedience, that's why sin, is always a detriment to answered prayers. Like the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, that doesn't mean that we obey because in order to make sure that God answers our prayers. You know, it makes us sort of like little kids in, in December. Santa Claus is coming. I know I better be good so I can get what I want. That's not it. Again, it comes out of a heart of love. We obey Him because we love Him. And the more we obey Him, the more we experience His love. And the more we experience His love, the more we love Him. And the more we obey Him. We keep His commandments, not just simply because, well, they're pretty wise. They're a good way to live. There's benefit in being obedient. We obey Him because we love Him. 
Because we love Him, we value His Word. And we treasure His Word. And we keep His Word. And we do His Word. Because we love Him. And He says, if you'll love me and keep my commandments, you can guarantee you've got answers for your prayers. Jesus assures us that we have the Father's ear. When we pray believing, when we pray in His name, when we pray for God's glory, and when we pray in loving obedience. So believing in Jesus, I mean, through believing in Jesus and His words, you have the Father's ear. So, why worry when the Creator and Governor of the universe responds to your prayers? Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You indeed do hear our prayers. And that You do incline Your ear towards us to give us every reason to trust in prayer, to trust in You as we pray so that we might continue to pray and come before You with confidence. But Father, our lives have got to have got to measure up. I thank you, Father, that you heard that prayer. We prayed when we recognized that we were separated from you because of our sin. But Christ had died for us and had done everything necessary that we might have faith, that we might have eternal life. If we would just simply put our faith, our trust in him. You heard that prayer when we called out and called for forgiveness and salvation. Father, as we continue this journey with you, remind us again about the importance of calling upon your name, of knowing that you hear us. Father, so many things bother us, so many things are worrying us, so many things that are troubling us. Teach us the truth. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Make us a people of prayer. Make us a people whose lives reflect the name of Jesus honorably. People who reflect your glory in the world today. I pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. It's difficult to be able to pray to God when you don't have a relationship with Him. But see, the good news is that as many as would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to them, He gives the power to become the children of God. We've talked about it already, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to have a relationship with God other than through faith in Jesus. Your sins separate you from the Father, but Jesus did everything necessary to cover your sins. And only He can do that. And only faith in Him can result in salvation and forgiveness. I invite you today, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, to trust Him this morning. Begin that journey of a relationship and discover the joy of prayer through that relationship and knowing that He answers when you pray. This morning, there's other decisions about Christ that you need to make. In front of you, there's a card. And if you'll put your name on that card and give us some contact information on the back side, indicate your decision you'd like to make to trust Christ, some other decisions, church membership, however God's leading you at this point in time. 
And then as you leave, you can either drop them in the silver buckets out in the vestibule or else I'll be in the fellowship hall. You can come get them to me. And we need to follow up with you about the decision God's calling you to make. I trust you'll do that. God bless you.